All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. The area's largest Ford dealer, of course. Don't forget, they are the home of the Roush-inspired BFC Customs on F-150s, Rangers, Mustangs, and of course, the all-new redesigned Ford Bronco. Stop in today and check them out at 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven or visit them online at barhavenford.com. I'm Brent Wallace. He's the big mutant. Mark my thought. Uh, <laughs> and I, so, Meth, I, I thought we were clear here. I wasn't going to ever embarrass you on the show. And yet yesterday you posted a video of you at jujitsu of me throwing you down. <laughs> oh, that was you? Are you kidding me? Wally, I would pay good money to see you go to a class. But you probably do well. And I, I, I just I'm glad you brought it up because it's something that is new for me. And it's challenging, and I, I really I recommend this to everybody. There's a location called Ground Jiu-Jitsu in Barhaven. This is not a paid advertisement. I just I'm a huge fan of their situation there. They're brand new business. It's a brand new facility. Really nice spot. So I I'm more of a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee kind of guy. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious when he threw you. Like, did you see this coming at all? Oh yeah, I mean I mean I'm a big mixed martial arts fan to begin with, but I was never able to get into this stuff when I played right because. The last thing I need is a torn shoulder or knee when I go to training camp. So, but I used to box. I boxed a ton growing up, uh, particularly in my teens, uh, which is good, right? You learn a new skill when you're younger, you tend to maintain it for a longer period of time. So uh, I just wanted to get into it. I knew it was going to be very physical. I think I need that right now um, because I feel good. 
And so um, that was the one of the owners of the gym and he's been doing it for 14 years. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, he was in full control all the time. And whenever I thought I had an inch with him when we were doing the live stuff at the end, like now he'd flip me on my back on my neck, had me in some kind of leg lock. It was crazy. Do you, uh, does he have like a, a title, like master jujitsu guy? You know what? I don't remember. Um, all I know is that he's been competing for a long time. And now that they're, they're doing this, but, but I don't know. I don't know what belt he has. I didn't even ask. I feel Cause like I'm just wondering like what yours question. would be. I'm wondering if you'd be well, like little, little tight. It takes, it takes, yeah, it takes years. Like this is something that you got to, you know, like twice yeah. a week you go in, you might get a belt in a year from now. Maybe it's very, uh, very difficult. Yeah. I'm, I'm my brother tried karate once. I was like, I'm out. I can't break a board. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. There's some sense sure. to talk about, uh, on Tuesday, Pierre Dorian inked a new deal. It's going to keep him as general manager of the Ottawa Senators for another four years, possibly five as the team mm-hmm. has an added year on the end of that, um, as an option. He says the rebuild is now done and they're moving into a different zone. Are you okay with Pierre Dorian now at the helm of guiding this team into zone number two, we'll call it? Yeah, I I mean, the team as far, first of all, we need to understand that Pierre can only get done what Pierre is allowed to get done, right? Like to a degree when they're restricted a little bit with salary and stuff like that, he's got to work that much harder to get deals done. And we all know Wally, you and I aren't being paid by the Ottawa Senators. I'm completely unbiased. I'm a big fan of the team and I just want to see them win. I do think that Pierre is in a good spot now that they've got all these young guys. They've drafted very well. They've produced some, some, some pretty good um, um, quality content out of, out of uh, Belleville, excuse me, where they're grooming up properly. You're starting to see the results of that at the NHL level. So for me, it's true. I mean, I almost think it would be unfair to release a general manager or coach at this point when you're finally going to see the fruits of your labor kind of come to fruition. So I think for me, he's in a good spot. The pressure is on now, I think on ownership, if anything, to provide uh, the finances to get this ship moving forward. You want to sign all your good young players. They're going to be looking for some decent deals. So if they can get that sorted out, I think at this point, you just got to let it play itself out and hopefully the coaching goes in the right direction. Everyone buys in and the team looks really good in about three years. Okay, a couple of points. One, uh, yeah. I don't get excited when people say, well, it's only fair he gets to guide the team. This is professional well, sport. You no, don't no, I know. get the, I know, but people are saying he deserves that. He's done what he's had to do. That's not, I, that's neither here nor there. You don't get the option to continue on just because, golly gee, you made a good trade. So that's number yeah. one. Number two, I don't like his, uh, I'll say the uh, pro side of things. I think they've done a terrible job of bringing in the right mix of veterans that they need to lead this team. Yeah. Yes, there's been then, a couple of hits. But then that goes back to my original point. Now, is the that owner. just – are his hands tied? Yeah, is absolutely. He, like, you know, yes. like – so there's that's a what I'm saying. Owner. It's like – No question. If it's not Pierre, is it somebody else under the same circumstances, right? right. And I, I, I just – yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? But so, full yeah. marks – and I think full marks go to the amateur side of things, and whether that is Trent Mann, whether that's Troy Mann developing, developing them in Belleville or not – He's still right. the guy at the helm. So we always like to rip on the guys at the top when they make mistakes. I think well, there we, needs to be the added, uh, I guess, the award or the adulation of saying, hey, congrats on building what you've done on the prospect yes, side of things. For sure. And I mentioned that, and I totally agree yeah. with you. And I think back to Pierre, I mean, I know him well enough. I've had many discussions with him. He's very professional, and he's had some good tutelage under Brian Murray. I mean, 
He's got he's got the the resume, if you will. We've had we've seen some issues. You can make arguments, as you just mentioned, Wally, with regards to some of the pickups. I think that's just salary restriction, and he's working with what he has, and and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I know. I, I just there's some thing, things that I've witnessed off ice that I haven't been a big fan of, and so I I kind of hold back a bit on saying, hey, great job yeah. in this whole turnaround. Hey, I'm not fair a, enough. I, like I I yeah. I'm just. I'm not there saying that he's the one that deserves to have this chance to ride this team into the next phase. But if he gets it done, he gets it done. Obviously, yeah. ownership thinks he can get it done. And that really, ultimately, it's their team. They can do what they want with it. And so yeah. far. And, that, and that'll uh, be the test. I think to yeah. finish this, we can both agree on this point at the very least. Yeah. You've got all your pieces in place now, right? Yeah. It just comes down to insulating them with some good quality players. And good quality players cost money. And that's what it comes down to. Speaking of players, the uh, Sens on Wednesday announced that their uh, development camp roster, and I couldn't help but look, who got number 48? <laughs> oh, who did? And I there, didn't even look at the list There is yet. one guy, and I was like, no, they didn't. Uh, Chandler Romeo uh, got oh, number 48. So, what a brutal number. So he is now a new fan of the show. We will make sure that we follow him closely. Igor Sokolov, wearing sure. number 75, which For is sure. a weird Yeah, okay. Number, yeah, yeah, but no, uh, okay, yeah. We, you guys know how I feel about forty-eight. I feel yeah. bad for him. I mean, there's yeah. that's a no-win. We call that a no-win situation. <laughs> you know, you're going down when you get that number. <laughs> anyway, I, I just love it. it. Always makes me chuckle when I think of you. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the now, the future. Let's talk about the past. And our guest today on the show, of course, uh, put up some of the most memorable moments in franchise history. He's been around for obviously a long time. Played a decade for the Ottawa Senators. And he's part of your early supper club on the road. Uh, yeah. Joining us in the chat, quenched by Whitewater Beer, is veteran goalie Craig Anderson. Uh, he's set to join the Buffalo Sabres this season. That'll be a sixth franchise. Reminder, use the Wally Mathot coupon code 15% off your purchase when you shop whitewater.ca. Mm. Um, so, Matt, uh, did it take a while for you and Andy to, to become friends? He's, let me just put it to you this way. He seems very stoic and almost on guard a lot unless you get to know him did it take a while to figure it yeah out? yeah i mean and, and you'll you know with interviews and stuff you get a certain andy and then off the ice you get the goofball very sarcastic yeah. dry uh, not afraid to throw a shot at anybody in the room um and and we click pretty you know right away because when i got there i'm kind of like that too and uh i can be grumpy andy can be grumpy so we just we, we were good at being grumpy together on any given time but andy was also good at picking me up like if you noticed i was having a rough morning or i was just in a bad mood because i was tired we played the night before i'm at the rink uh he'd be good he'd be good at giving me a couple jabs to kind of wake me up a little bit and and of course you mentioned the early supper club so andy and i and whoever else wanted to join the early birds and when i say early bird because i don't want people to get the wrong idea i'm talking like 6 p.m 6 30 uh a lot of guys other players like eric uh, carlson and dion Phaneuf, they'd go at like eight o'clock and i'm like i can't do that it's just not me i want to get back to my room and watch a movie so andy and i had a really good uh vibe there when it came to that and we were on the same page and we had really and, and honest to god wally that translated onto our performances on the ice we had good chemistry off the ice so we had really good communication when we were playing together and relaying information and he was telling me where forwards were and stuff so having a goalie on your side like that is huge especially for a defenseman he seemed like a big talker on the ice like was he one of the most vocal goalies you played with he is the most vocal goaltender i've ever played with and in a good way i mean it wasn't because I played with goalies that would just panic eh, and scream at you if you were in the wrong position and you'd almost want to turn around and just, I don't know, I'm not going to say it, but, <laughs> but with Andy, it was different. Like he was just smart about it and he was good at taking responsibility when he knew that he did something wrong or whatever it was. 
and wasn't trying to find a guy to blame. He was really just very self-aware, you know, and, and sure of himself. And so that really kind of translates into his game when it was confident chatter to his defenseman. And I, can, I know I've said this a lot before, and that's why I'm repeating it. I, it can't be said enough. It's such a big asset to have on your team. So here's the one thing about Andy, and we'll get to it later, I, I guess, is um, he never got a chance to, to win a Stanley Cup, or he hasn't yet, going into his ninth right. season. And we all, I mean, there's, I guess the NHL is littered with players who, if they were just on a better team, would have won a Stanley Cup, I guess. Do you feel like he yeah. had the, the resume or he, he was a guy that could get you to a Stanley Cup uh, if he perhaps was surrounded by these I mean, great teams that we've seen? Yeah, well, I mean, we almost did it, right? Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. and, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, really, we were close. And he's proven time and time again in the past so with a lot of those playoff rounds that everyone had the chance to witness that he's capable of doing that. And that's, he has a switch and he's able to elevate his game whenever it's important. Those big games, you knew Andy was going to perform for you. That was never an issue. It was never in question. Um, you know, earlier on in the year, there's the odd game here and there, like any other player where you might not get a great performance out of Andy, but I think that goes for any goaltender. But the biggest compliment you can give a player is that he was a big game player and he was a playoff performer. And, and I mean, I can't say that enough about Andy. Yeah, and he was. And the sarcasm, I, I won't forget, and we can talk about it later. I, he used to yeah. just sometimes scare me in scrums because I never knew how. <laughs> yeah, you don't know if he's serious. <laughs> yeah, like, are you like just trying to yank my chain or anyway? Yeah, uh, we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, sure. Time now for uh, one of our new favorite segments, of course, is called Pearls of Wisdom. It's brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Method and Meth. Don't forget, like, people got to sign up now. The NFL starts tonight. The Cowboys and Bucks, and of course, we all know the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl yet again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, like it's kill. I am a Cowboy fan, and it's killing me that there's this all this you know, futility of late. And and to, to that point, when I was playing in Texas, when we were down in Dallas, they weren't like the fans weren't obnoxious. That was a big surprise for me. I mean, I was expecting it to be kind of like Toronto as far as yeah. our team's the best, yada, yada, yada. I feel like the most outspoken Dallas Cowboy fans are the people that aren't native to Dallas. They're the people that are scattered throughout North America. You know what I mean? And they're the yeah. louder, more yeah. vocal ones. But but yeah, like they're, they, they're, they got a good fan base down there. They're very realistic and reserved to a degree. I, I, I've always just for some reason liked them. Uh, and it goes way back to the Ed Tuttle yeah. Jones era. But uh, yeah. Were you there when they built that uh, practice facility? Have you been yeah. there? So when, when my wife and I got to Dallas, Jim Nill, the general manager of the Dallas Stars, took us for a drive. And, ah. and it's, north of, it's north of Dallas in Frisco where the Rangers practice and where the Dallas Stars practice. We were all kind of in the same area. Their facility is insane. So you drive in and, and Jim Nill kind of gave us a, like, a, like a runaround. And you could see Jerry Jones's helicopter planted in the middle of the practice field, like dead center, like no Fs given, just that's where I'm going to park my helicopter. And I guess he goes from there to Arlington for games, like in back and forth Ah. type of deal. And, and so that guy's a boss and, and their facility is gorgeous. It doesn't even look, it looks like a huge tech tech facility, like in Silicon Valley. Like that's how insane it looks. And, and the amount of money poured into it, I can only imagine, but those, those players are treated uh, very well. It's wild. There's a uh, yeah. documentary on Amazon about the year in the life of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah. I see it. Like preview all and they have all like a drone nothing. shot where yes. the drone kind of takes yeah. them through. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. So good. It's so really good. cool. So yeah. like, and we're way off topic, but I covered uh, a couple of NFL uh, practices and whatnot. And I've been to the jets facility and the giants and uh, oh, yeah. Washington and Baltimore. The jets had just built this new beautiful building and we're in it. And I can just remember 
a it's a five-star setup for dining and all that stuff but on right. the, over here is you know there's the barber shop and then over here is like this it's crazy that, like yeah they've got everything they you could can possibly stay. imagine yeah like you can you can be there all day it's almost oh. it, yeah like it's hard to compare it to anything right because it's its own entity and it's it's no. it's so it's, it's so world. over the top like the money yes. involved in this in this game it's yeah and then you go yeah. back to an nhl rink which by the way most are very good facilities as well yeah. but you can't even compare it's, no it's, 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 it's a different world it's and it's how you can tell how small and i don't mean that like the nhl is a four billion dollar industry but oh, you yeah, can yeah, tell yeah, how yeah. small it is compared yeah, it to the nfl it in perspective yeah uh all right sure. sorry uh, pearls of wisdom by the way i brought to you by sportsinteraction.com get in sign up and get ready to start doing some NFL betting. I will take the Dallas Cowboys tonight, as I've already, if I haven't made that clear. I don't care about Tom Brady, okay? By the way, uh, Tom Brady signed jersey up for auction at our golf tournament coming up on Friday. Um, okay, I didn't even, what? Yeah. Really? Secured, yeah, Tom Brady. Oh, uh, jersey from last year, from his that. NBA, like his Super Bowl season. Um, all right. Wow. Here's what John Perlberg has dug up for us today. Craig's just going to shake his head at our way off topic here. Uh, Andy holds records for his in uh, team records in his last four franchises. So here they are. So with Florida, he's got 53 saves. That's the most saves in a shutout by a Florida Panther goaltender. Colorado, 71. That's the most games played in a single season by a goalie. 71 games, Matt. Yeah. That's a ridiculous number. Wow. Uh, in Ottawa, he holds nearly every record, but let's go 202. That's the most career victories by an Ottawa Senator goaltender. And of course, in Washington, he's not going to probably enjoy this one as much. 39 years, 359 days. That is the oldest goalie to win a playoff game. So, by the way, I think he is now in the, he's in the top five, at least, of oldest players in the league. And I know he's the oldest mm -hmm. starting goal or the oldest goalie, but um, mm -hmm. what a career he's had. And I, you know, you yeah. look, you look over and, and see all the stuff that he's done in his career. And, uh, as we do, we're going to the pre-scout now, and it's brought to you by uh, Bonisher Excavating, Inc., BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, visit bon visit BonisherExcavating.com. Uh, just take a look at this. Like 19th NHL season this year. Spent 10 years in Ottawa holding almost every goaltending record except just one, which is shutout still held by Patrick Lalim. Uh, signed with Buffalo. That's his sixth NHL team. 652 games, 291 career wins. That's the fifth most among active goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And, of course, he won the 2017 Masterton Trophy. Uh, like for a guy that started 0 and 11, Greg Anderson's had a phenomenal run as a goaltender. Yeah, I think any goaltender would take that career in a heartbeat if they had the option. So good for yeah. Andy. Not surprised. Fantastic human. Good family. I'm happy for him. And we'll get into it even in the interview coming up. Uh, just about you know the start that he had and how he was on waivers and almost didn't make it through to the NHL. Like the, uh, he he didn't come in as a herald of goaltender. Don't forget he went back into the draft. All kinds of things. Yeah. So for him to get to 19 years in the National Hockey League shows perseverance yeah. and a will to win. And it, you know what it shows, though? That he can actually flat out play. I yep. So there are players in the National Hockey League, or even in any sport, right, that they just show up to training camp or they just show up to the ice and they can just play. Like, I mm -hmm. hate those guys because they don't have mm – -hmm. it looks like they don't do any work. Like, yeah. you could go in and talk to Andy in the middle of the day and it, you wouldn't know that he's the starting goaltender for tonight's game and could be the biggest game of the year, right? Like, he was just yeah. always a normal guy. Yep. Yeah. He's a normal dude has, and, and not your typical player either. I mean, he builds computers and, and virtual reality setups in his basement. I know he has this crazy three screen yeah. um, uh, race racing. simulator that yeah. he has. And it's, it's an interactive one that like moves with, with this and he builds yeah. these things like, so, and he collects vehicles. He's got, you know, some really nice cars. He's just, he's a different bird. And I mean that in a very good way. Yeah. Always painted a Corvette on his goalie masks. Um, there you go. So when we return, 
It's Andy uh, with a cameo appearance from his wife, Nicole, <laughs> in the Whitewater chat. Uh, you're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. All right, welcome back to the show and welcome to the show, the greatest goaltender in Ottawa Senator history, Craig Anderson. How are you during this great summer? Doing all right. It's real hot down here in South Florida and, you know, just kind of hanging out, doing the dad stuff. So when do you start to get prepared to get back into the NHL season and head to Buffalo? I uh, started training maybe a month ago. Um, started a lot sooner than I did last year. That's a, a good good step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, plan on getting up there sometime mid-September. Uh, try to get on the ice maybe a week or two in September down here in Florida. Andy, is that you're starting up early with your training? Is that just being an old man at this point and trying to preserve <laughs> anything left in the body? I think I think time off is good for the old body. <laughs> no, I just last year, like last year, I didn't do anything since March last year and didn't really start up until you know October, November. Yeah. Just kind of like, all right, maybe something will happen. And then so I, I really wasn't as prepared as I am now. Now that you know, I've had I got a good eight weeks uh, of training to kind of get ready for the season. It's a lot. Uh, I guess a lot more efficient. Yeah. And, and I think, cause I know you're down there in South Florida. I'm incredibly jealous by the way, but uh, I remember Yager always qu was quoted as saying that being an older player in the league, obviously exceptionally older than you are right now. I think he was in his mid forties at this point, but he would talk about how the humidity in Florida was just good on it. just felt good on his bones. It gave him more longevity. Is that the key? Is that why you're still down there? Not sure. Uh, we're here because the kids go to school here and they got travel baseball and flag football yeah. and they do all that stuff down here. But yeah, it's uh, for about eight, nine months a year. It's, it's perfect weather down here. I just haven't experienced it yet because I'm always up north. Yeah. When did you see the Buffalo thing transpiring? Like, did this come out of left field for you? Yeah, more or less. Um, we were not expecting anything to happen. Definitely on the opening day of, of um, you know, the transactions there. So with free agency, but, um, you know, it kind of in the morning was, was, Hey, like you got any interest in maybe, you know, working with a young guy. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, all right. And then by dinner time, it was like, like, all right, uh, yes or no, are you in or out? I'm like, uh, all right, we're in. Uh, so yeah, a matter of six hours, it was like, think about it to fully commit. Um, you know, there weren't, there wasn't even like time to like sleep on it. It was just like, Hey, we're, we're we talked about it and over, over the afternoon. And, um, you know, my wife and, was pretty supportive and then the agent kind of committed and was like hey by the way you're playing i was like all right we'll take it <laughs> and have you gone up there yet andy to like look for a place at all or have you just been kind of floating online no i we've been online a little bit and just reached out to some of the the team service guy to, to start getting work in touch with the realtor um yeah. i got a buddy that that does some race car stuff there that lives in buffalo um he does some race car stuff in ottawa so um, nice. He lives there. He's kind of helped me with some of the location of, of where to be, where not to be, where the restaurants are, whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, last year I lived six months in a Marriott, so I got some good points. Maybe <laughs> use some of those for the first month when we're up there. Is it because it's a Marriott right next door? Like you can stay right at the rink. That it is. I got a lot of points to use. Yeah. Perfect. Um, how much different, I guess, was it this year compared? Like, did you think you were going to end up getting a deal last year? And did you go into this free agency maybe planning to retire? Or was that even on your mind? You know, it was kind of open up in the air. I mean, I think the end of the day, I didn't want to let uh, the pandemic kind of end the career. And so last mm -hmm. year of 
you know, it's just the way the timing worked of everything, you know, Lundquist, you know, going through his surgery and opened up a spot and it just kind of the way it kind of worked out was, was, you know, kind of meant to be. Um, but I wasn't forcing the issue last year. We weren't like calling everybody going, I need a job. I need a job. It just kind of fell in place. And then, you know, similar to this year, you know, like it was one of those things where uh, I was not expecting it either way. Could have, could have been, you know, could have been happily retired or, you know, happy playing either way. So, uh, it's just kind of the way things are supposed to happen. Fate, fate's kind of let fate do its thing and, you know, go out there and, and, uh, you know, ride, ride the wave. Yeah. And we're all pumped for you, Andy. That's awesome. I, I, how's the body feeling otherwise? I know I can speak from experience getting a little older, it takes a little longer to get it ready for games and and all that. So are you skating lots right now in the summertime? What, what's your kind of regimen looking like and how's the body feeling? Uh, you know, probably from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. trying to get out of bed. Um, you know, that's kind of that early morning stiffness that kind of as you get older, everybody deals with. Uh, but once we get once we get to the gym and get moving, that first like 10 minutes on the bike at the gym, and then everything kind of yeah. falls into place. So um, I think that's kind of was the key last year too is get to the rink, get that 10, 15 minute bike ride in, just get everything moving, and see the staff. You know, I think Dom and Jerry always hammered that go warm up before you hit hit the table, and you know, so many yeah. guys just just rather get the work done before they warm up. And you can definitely, as you get older, you can definitely notice a difference being, being mobile and moving around. And so, I mean, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's just, you get in a routine and you figure out what works and what doesn't and you stick to it. So are you training with a bunch of players down there? And are you like, and again, I know I'm hammering home these questions about fitness only because I'm so curious, like, is your diet changed? What's changed to get you that extra little longevity? Do you have anybody working with you? Um, so yeah, I'm going daily to, uh, it's actually a CrossFit gym, but I'm working with a guy that's just from South Africa. He's, he's got, uh, PTAT. He's, he's got kind of all of his credentials from, from South Africa. He, he was, a he was a rugby guy. Um, and now they, they do all CrossFit over there, but he and I are pretty much on a daily, uh, maintenance program as far as a getting stronger, B getting leaner, but C also working on flexibility and, uh, getting the body in line. So it's actually been a great you know, been a great fit. Um, trying to stay off the ice, you know, as you get older, you need a lot more maintenance as far as just before you yeah. get on the ice. So without having the, you know, the Doms and the Jerry's of the world, you know, in your back pocket, paying them on a daily basis, it's tough to get that service. So um, try to try to stay off the ice as best you can. So you don't hurt yourself. Um, you know, but uh, do skate a couple of days, uh, once a week, try to get out there with the beer league, play as a skater, just to try to get the cardio going. <laughs> Boys have I feel fun like with that. You've always done that, right? And I feel like it's a very common thing for goaltenders. Just you, you almost well. First of all, nobody wants to play goalie in a beer in a beer league game, right? Because there's just two on O's and and breakaways the whole time. So is that your thing now? You just play as a player as much as you can, and you get a little conditioning out of it. Yeah. So that's like the skating conditioning. Otherwise, in the gym, it's all you know. It's the the bike rides and and the yeah. fitness that way. But um, you know, I think maybe a week or two. I think the first two weeks in September before I head up there, we'll we'll hammer in. I think. Uh, working out a deal to get a goalie coach down here and get some ice to, to run through some just basic fundamental movement drills without trying to, to hurt yourself. It's just a matter of getting through the, the cardiovascular of actually playing goalie. It's, it's, it can be that first week or so it can be tough. And I found that out real quick because uh, last year, you know, without skating, just kind of doing the off ice, getting into to Washington, taking a seven day quarantine and then trying to jump on the ice was definitely a, 
a learning oh curve experience that was <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> needless to say, needless to say, the the training staff got their work in. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> Just back to the beer league for a sec. Do you play any defense to help out your goalie? Uh, most time, yeah, a lot of block, a lot of shot blocks. Oh, shot blocks. Uh, I got the, the I got the biggest I got the biggest shin pads you'll ever see. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and I, I got, and I got, do you score? Uh, I played last night. I had four assists. A lot of pass off pads. Nice. <laughs> it's not it's it's not a very good league. Let me tell you that it's it's a tough league. Uh, oh, they don't have elite hockey down there in South Florida. No, no, no. To say the least, it's a bunch of like forty year old guys that played maybe club. 20 years ago in college yeah oh well, at least you're out and do you yeah, know i'm like, having a good time sometimes there's guys that want like take serious beer league right and so then if they see an nhl guy and they end up like wanting to fight him halfway through did anybody try to take runs at you no i'm usually chirping myself saying hey look out goalie <laughs> coming through <laughs> i stay out of the corners i try to go to the blue paint you know and you know that kind of stuff but it, it again it's it's just like i said it's pretty fun guys are pretty relaxed about it um some of the teammates get into it and they, they kind of take it serious but you yeah. know if there's a battle in the corner i'll stay out I'll just try to play as safe as i can and just like i said it's more or less just to skate up and down the ice and have a good time and maybe throw in a celebration every once in a while right on uh what were you told going into washington and did you expect to play obviously more than you did um i you know, obviously having a conversation with a general manager is a lot different than having the conversation with the coaching staff. Um, you know, I think from the general manager standpoint, it was one of those things where, you know, you got a veteran guy like to work with the young guys. We know you can play if called upon. And then when you have a conversation with the coach, it's like, hey, everything's earned, you know, come out here, fight for your spot. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you, you got to kind of feel both things out. And I, Again, it was one of those things where back-to-backs, I don't think uh, anybody that last year played back-to-back, um, but just so happened that the month that Samsonov was out, uh, we didn't have any back-to-backs. So, you know, Vanacek got to play 18 in a row there. Um, where, you know, maybe it was kind of expecting they had a game here and there, but there was no back-to-back, so I was totally understandable, and I, I kind of got where they were coming from. So at the end of the day, I wasn't, I wasn't upset, and I was just kind of there to help VTech as best I could and, and, uh, you know, be a good, be a good support model. So on that note, then what's going to be the approach of, I'm sure you've had multiple conversations with guys from Buffalo. What's the expectation level out of you then, as far as games go and, and the number one, two combination, uh, right now we don't, there was nothing really set in stone. And, and I think that's kind of what I learned 20 years ago when I first entered pro hockey was everything is earned. You know, you show up, you might be guaranteed, yeah quote unquote, the starting job or the backup job. But if you don't go in there and perform, you know, you, you got a short leash, like they'll find someone else or they'll find, you know, a different situation that would be best for the team. So yeah. uh, right now it's more or less, Hey, we, you know, we know what you can do. We know you're capable. It's just a matter of now going out and, and myself, you know, having the pride to, to do it on a daily basis again. Yeah. Sixth winningest U S born goaltender. You are nine wins away from 300. What does that number mean to you? Uh, it's, it's a personal goal. I think I've kind of had that number in my head since uh, I played with Bokun. Uh, when I played with him in 07, 08, and then watched where his career ended. He ended up playing like 700 games, 300 wins. And it was kind of like one of those things where, Hey, that's a, it's a great accomplishment from him. And I know him and it, like, he lives in the same neighborhood. And uh, I just kind of felt like, Hey, if I can get to that number also, it'd be kind of a cool, cool thing. Uh, 
do you think goaltenders should get recognized? One of the things is we make a big deal about a thousand games for a player, but in goaltending, if you don't play the game, you don't get recognized for even being there. So I, I would think if you doubled the number of games you played, you're at, I don't know, 1200, 1300 or something dressed. Maybe I'm completely wrong in that number somewhere in there, but like, do you guys feel that you should get perhaps recognized a little bit more than the 500 game mark? I think. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I think, I mean, I remember a year ago or two years ago, kind of trying to figure out what the percentage of players that played got to a thousand and you know, whatever that number is, it's like 1% or whatever, whatever it ends up being, uh, to get that equal percentage in goaltenders when I was kind of doing it in my head or pen and paper back in the day was somewhere around that 650 mark or 630 something mark. So if, if you took the percentage and then figured out if there's whatever thousand goalies play, get that percentage at the top you know, 50 goalies, whatever it might be, the percentage was those though that in order to get in that top percentage wise was like 600 and some games. Wow. So it's hard. It's like I said, it's hard to say because, you know, the 500 mark is what's used. Um, there's yeah. still, there's still not that many that get to 500. So, I mean, that's still a pretty good accomplishment, but yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure what the percentages that get the 300 wins either. I'm, I think that might be a big one as far as throughout the league. It's I, I know that not, I, I want to say it's in the, 40s or 50 it's like it's not a huge number ever get to 300 wins and if you're looking at u.s born goalies you'd be just the six like that's a phenomenal feat for a guy that wasn't sure you were going to last in the nhl i think when you first started right and and you've openly talked about the chicago issues and having to learn to i guess grow up if you will you went on waivers in like three days you played on three different teams and ended up back in chicago i shouldn't say three days it was over like a two-week period and you went to st louis and boston like when you look back at that now you've got to be impressed of where you've gotten to. And I know it's tough to try and pat yourself on the back, but that's a huge accomplishment for a guy back in the draft twice and ended up with the struggles you had in Chicago early on. Yeah. I mean, I think from day one, I think, you know, when you get drafted, everybody has some sort of ego when they get drafted, you know, obviously being drafted kind of a big deal, this, that, and the other, and the guys that kind of figure it out sooner than later, the ones that, that, that have, you know, longevity or, or have the success. And it took me, you know, a couple, couple fall downs, a couple steps backwards to kind of get to where I was comfortable in my own skin and comfortable around the guys and kind of, kind of yeah. feel everybody out. So, you know, I went, went into my first year pro of being, you know, a little arrogant and this, that, and the other, and thought I was better than this guy and better than that. And it, it kind of was an eye opener and, and, you know, a humbling moment, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, so then, like I said, the three waivers, again, every part of my career, there, there was humbling moments. And, um, you know, there's certain points in your career where you look back and said, I wish I could have done things different. But as a good professional or as a, as a you know, a guy that, that really wants to kind of keep moving forward is is not what 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 happens to you. Like I had a great goalie coach that said, hey, it's not what happens to you. It's not if they score it's it's when they score what are you going to do next right if you make a big save what are you going to do next right so go through waivers okay what's your next step oh you get it you get yanked you get sent to the Myers. what's your next step you got two choices you can be a pout you can pout about it and complain and then complain to your teammates complain to your coaching staff complain to your agent or you can say hey you know what i got to learn from this and i got to be better and these are the areas that can improve and work your way back and that's kind of you know, the stepping stones that I had to go through. And I went through it numerous times in my career. And, um, you know, the nice thing about having a long-term contract is you can make some mistakes and not get punished for it. Like you can when you're on short-term deals. 
Which goalie coach did you give the most gray hairs to? All of them. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, Pierre Gru Pierre Gru speaks very highly of you. So I'm thinking like Rick Walmsley was probably a guy that you frustrated to no end. I don't know. Me and Wammer got along pretty good. I mean, I think when you were the starting goalie with Wammer, I think uh we got along great. Um you know, I think there's a lot of controversy with Wammer and a couple guys just based because they were the backup and they weren't playing a whole lot. So Wammer felt it was his job to make sure that he was in game shape and he would kill you in practice. And, you know, you can ask Matt. Nobody likes the guy that sticks around and bag skates you at the end of practice. Especially not when it's a guy like Wammer that pounds 30 <laughs> cheeseburgers a day. <laughs> wow. Um, that's just aggressive. Saying. That's aggressive. Did you ever uh, see that guy walk around? Anyway, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I had my issues with him as well, but uh, I had a bad back, and I remember him giving it to me. He was giving it to me in, in 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 Boston, and we were doing like a little bagger after practice, and the team was desperate to get me back in the lineup, and I I couldn't move. Like I had the worst nerve pain, and he said, so, I forget what he said to me, but I almost took a swing at him. I almost did. But I ended up just catching myself and going off the ice. And I think he said something to the guy that I was playing. I think it was Smitty. And he made a pretty bold comment to Smitty about me because I went off. And uh, anyway, long story short, it's, you guys are bringing up Wammer right now. It's bringing back some very fond memories. <laughs> uh, it seemed fun. No, like I said, when, when you're the starting goalie, Wammer was great. Like it was all about pump up video and like, hey, you're doing this great, et cetera. But uh, like I said, when you weren't playing, he hammered you, whether it was, you know, bag skates or just, you know, what can you do better? And, you know, he was just a good guy. Like, like I said, I, I got along with him pretty good. And, and there was, you know, there were certain times where, yeah, you, you did get mad at him, but it was usually when you weren't playing and you just wanted to make sure that you were, in, you know, he had, he had your best interest at heart. I felt yeah. um, sometimes kind of came off the wrong way as, as you know, there's lots of stories with other goalies that, that bought him all the time. So, um, you know, but PG and I, we had a good relationship. Uh, he got me as far as, uh, you know, my mental and verbal abuse towards him. Um, he knew how to deal with it. <laughs> he knew how he's, to deal with yeah, it. He was such a good guy. eh? Like he was yeah. such a nice, he's, he's such a good person. Like, anyway, I, I just feel oh. like people need to understand this before you continue talking about him. Yeah, no, he was great. Like, you know, like I said, it was one of those things where I always had, whether it was a, a, a comment or something and he just kind of laughed it off and said, all right, like get everything out. You, you keep chirping, chirping. And then when you're done, you know, well, let's get to work, you know? And like, we ended up doing the work anyways. It's just my mental battle with him was just like, I got to say something. I got to chirp him. I got to make fun of the drill or do something. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, we'll fill end up doing the drill just the way he wants. And I'll just get through it. And it's like, like I said, he and I just kind of got along really good that way. And uh, he understood me. And, and that's, and that's why he and I got along so well. And it, for people that don't know you who are listening to this, they, they don't know the Craig Anderson who's he looked very stoic and whatever, but you have a good sense of humor. It's just dry and sarcastic like crazy. Oh, and it yes. translates to everybody. Like I can remember walking into scrums <laughs> and I'd have to just take this verbal beating from you for about 30 <laughs> seconds and then we can get on with the questions. But yeah, like, cause you never want to, I never wanted to push back too much cause we're in a scrum and cameras are recording and you don't want to say a whole lot, but I can just remember every once in a while, I'd be like, you just take shots at me to no end. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, that's my personality. And like I said, I think, it, and I, you know, it can rub teammates the wrong way if you don't, like Like I said, I've learned as I as I go and who you can push and who you can't and, and what you can say. And sometimes I say, I mean, even last year, I remember getting into it with a guy and I said something that I thought was kind of funny and he took it the completely the wrong way and we didn't talk for three days until I actually like realized, hey, um, what's going on? You're not talking to me? And then I had to like really go through the process of, all right, I'm sorry I said that. That's not what I meant. And let's get past this. So, I mean, like I said, it happens even, like I said, to this day, it still happens to people. And, um, you know, like I said, I think I, I sometimes get a bad rep that way. But again, it's it's nothing personal towards anybody. It's just kind of who I am and, and my sense of humor. And like, again, it's almost like I do it with a smile. You know what? My son does it to me all the time and it frustrates me to no end. So I could understand. <laughs> no, but where, in fairness, in yeah. fairness to Andy though, cause that's, cause I was close with Andy when we played together. We're obviously a really good friend of mine. And I, I never saw that. Like you say, well, I've got this rep. I don't think you ever had a bad rep about any of that. I think just some guys aren't really smart enough to catch on to the sarcasm. So they'll take offense to it. And then you have to literally hold their hand and guide them through it and explain to them, listen, it's not personal. It's Okay. And like Andy's just being Andy and that's how he is. Speaking of that, speaking of which Andy, do you still do the stand-up style in practice? I think a lot of fans that are watching here don't understand that Craig Anderson does the old <laughs> Billy Ranford kick saves yeah. in practice and it drives coaches and goal scorers absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, that was being on the taxi squad last year. Like we did a lot of games and, and just a lot of, so I jump on the ice with, with the D shooting pretty much at the end of every practice, right? Be right before taxi squad skates. So you'd be out there for the last 10, 15 minutes of practice for when, when the forwards split up with the D. Yeah. And so I jump in and, um, you know, Dilly there in, in Wash, he just got traded to, to, to yeah. Winnipeg. But, but like he would die laughing every single day just based on my goalie movements. And like it's just, it, it kind of it brings a smile on my face. It's something like just you can get these guys to smile. Now there's obviously certain guys you can't do that with. And then other guys, I, I try to play as legit as you can. And, but then sometimes you're just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to mess around with them. And, yeah. um, you know, last year was kind of a good learning curve for me to, to kind of get used to like, all right, these guys, you know, with Oshi and Backstrom and Obi and some of these guys, you got to play a certain way. And what I really noticed was when you watched VTech practice and when I watched Samsonov practice, and then I want, you know, kind of felt, diagnose my own practice habits and it's like all right you watch one guy who's not you know vtech was a guy that was uh balls to the wall butterfly in every shot and you're like dude you gotta you gotta you gotta chill out you know you gotta slow down a little bit um you're gonna tie yourself out your brain he's losing like you know 10 12 pounds in practice you're like man that's that's crazy yeah that's um, wild. so like i ended up being the third goalie out there for practice a lot just to give him a break because yeah he was going 100 yeah. percent on the other on every shot where Samson, I was a lot more like me, like, all right, how can I, how can I make a more efficient save? How's this play? How can I play it more efficient? So like, there was kind of one of those things where I've been through it enough where I know I can't be stand up and not cry every shot. There's got to be a good balance. Right. And that's kind of yeah. one of the things that I was trying to work with those guys is find a balance. Like, so take 10 shots super hard. Like it's a game situation, take three or four work on something else where you're maybe deep in your net, trying to read the shot, or maybe just working on angles. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's, again, that's, it's one of those things where you kind of learn as you go and you, you kind of get the temperature of each guy and who you can do it to and who you can't. And usually the so, goal scorers, you got to play legit, but the guys that don't yeah. score a whole lot, think it's funny when you kind of mess around with them. So, yeah. So in other words, when Mark Mathot would come down, you'd mail it in and do a kick save, demoralize me. And then when Eric Carlson or Mark Stone would come down, you would try very hard. And you're still basically instilling that philosophy to this day. 
if you put it that way, that sounds horrible. Um, it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I just, I, I liked you enough where I knew I could get away with it. No, yeah. it was funny, but I think that that was what I was trying to get at though. Yeah. You're really good at it. That's the scary part. Like you would, you would like leave that stick side wide open and then a paddle would come by and just swat it away. Like nothing. You know what I mean? And I think that's something yeah. that guys like myself at least appreciate it. I, I would die laughing. Right. So keep doing it. Yeah, no, like I said, there'd be certain drills like D shooting, like there'd be half the drill I do legit. And then, I'd, you know, I'd take 10 shots and try to do the paddle thing. Like I said, it wasn't like a full time. So like in Ottawa, sometimes it was like a full practice of just like kick out, kick save. <laughs> but I've kind of managed it better and done a little bit better job of, hey, like A, because I yeah. wasn't playing a whole lot. So you have to play somewhat legit and try to get in that game shaping, that game reps. Yep, but sure. um, again, it was one of those things where, you know, you just, like I said, you feel the temperature of everything and you, you kind of go from there. Did then Oshi or Ovechkin or Backstrom, anybody say anything to you about it? Like, dude, I need you to stop the puck the real way for me. No, not really. Like I said, it, everyone has had a pretty light, it was pretty light atmosphere last year. Everyone was, was really good about it. Um, you know, again, the other argument was, is that, you know, when, when you have a conversation with the goalie coach, you know, about, about standing up and whatnot, there, there's lots of situations in the game where I do stand up. So the argument is, is, Hey, like that's his read. That's how he makes the save in the game. We're not going to force him something else in practice just to, to make the forwards feel good. I mean, it's kind yeah. of a cat and mouse, right? So they'll start figuring me out. I'll figure them out. I'll make adjustments, see if they can make the adjustment. And, and I think I, I'd like to think that I make people better, but a lot of people think that I, you know, make them worse because they can't score. <laughs> um, last question before last topic, before we move on to Ottawa, and that's you getting into the playoffs. So I want to know what that first game was like when you go in in game one and then you get the start in game two only to lose in overtime. But I think you made 48 saves that game. I like was this, you know, I guess what was the adrenaline like for you in that moment? Um, you know, I think when I kind of saw VTech go down, I was like, oh, he's down. He's just kind of maybe upset about the goal. But then it ended up like prolonging into like, you know, a full three minute affair where he's still laying on the ice. And I'm like, oh. I guess I got to get moving here. Um, you know, so I think you didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it. And that's sometimes the best thing for a player is uh, getting thrown in. You didn't have all day or the day before to start thinking about it and kind of psych yourself out. Uh, that was just, hey, throw in and stay in the moment. And, and you kind of stay that way. And uh, it, I mean, it was an exciting game. I thought, you know, a lot of things went right for us. I think I had some, you know, some good bounces here and there. But at the end of the day, um, as Matt, as meth knows, like there's so much pre-scout that goes in the playoff that they probably pre-scouted the heck out of VTech and nothing out of me. So that first game, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's his weakness, where we got to shoot and, and kind of get the breakdown. The second game, I think, and as, as the series goes on, the teams really get enough video and they really do the breakdown of, of kind of the weaknesses and strength. Yeah. Were you disappointed though? You didn't get to go in for game three, knowing that how well you would play. You still played well in game two, despite the loss. Yeah, I think, you know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, I was battling, you know, uh, some stiffness in the back and, and Samson, I was coming back and he was healthy and it was kind of a decision there at that point when we go into Boston was that, you know what, Sammy's been the guy all year. He's, he's back yeah. now. He's healthy. Um, let's give him a shot. And if, if you don't like the result, Hey, I'll be ready to go for game four. So like, it was just more or less a day of rest and recovery to see, you know, how I would respond. And I, you know, I was, I was a hundred percent after that full day off and then Samsonov played well enough where they felt that, that they wanted to ride him. And 
like I said, at the end of the day, it's, a, you know, as a player, you, you don't, you don't request what you want to do. You, you earn what you get and then you respect the coach's decision. You're ready for whatever the coach decides. You, you can't make demands at this level and at any level for that matter in pro sports. Uh, I could go on all day about the whole Washington thing, but I want to get on to Ottawa. And so do you have, uh, I think it's January 22nd scheduled or circled on the calendar. I think that's the first time you come back to Ottawa. No, I haven't even looked at the schedule to be honest with you. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Um, is, <laughs> are you anxious or excited to get a chance? Perhaps I would have hoped that you're going to be in that game that day. Uh, I'm a, I mean, you can only, I mean, I can make the demand, I guess, yeah. uh, since we just talked about <laughs> demanding playing time. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, coaches are human. They, they can understand the human aspect of things and that, uh, you know, that's kind of an exciting, you know, event for myself to kind of get back there and, and play hopefully in front of the fans that, that, uh, hopefully the building be opened up for them. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's, going to be an emotional day you know no different than any other emotional day that i've had there um you know the fans obviously it was there a long time and and they were great to me and and i don't think i could repay them you know tenfold for, for what they've done for me and my family i don't know like how much you pay attention to social media i know you're not on it a lot there has been a lot of people talking about they want to have an, an opportunity to say a proper goodbye to craig anderson after 10 years in ottawa have you noticed any of that? And I guess, what does it mean to you? Because it's tough when you're, I think, in it at the time to understand how much perhaps you are appreciated as a player because you don't, I guess, take a lot of time to understand it at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't followed much. I don't, I don't, we're in South Florida. We don't get a whole lot yeah. of Canadian news. And, um, you know, as far as social media, it's, it's not my strong point. But at the end of the day, you know, I think, you know, fans are, are, you know, they're great and they're, you know, they want to express their, you know, thanks and, and gratitude. I think that's awesome. And, you know, again, it's, it's one of those moments where I've seen it on the other side where guys come back and they get the standing ovation and, you know, they have to go for a little twirl and stick their hand in the air. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, that that's awesome, you know, and, and for me to experience it, I think it'd be great. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's, I don't know. You got me rambling now, so I really don't have much else. To say <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to use the term, put our work boots on. Cause that's something you used to say in every clip, every time I talk to you at post game, um, I'll, I'll get back to those cliches in a sec. The question, I guess, are you disappointed in the way it ended in Ottawa? And I, it just didn't seem like you got a chance to say goodbye or whatever. They were like, Ottawa was just done with you as a management. Did, is that fair? Uh, not, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, it's the nature of the business, right? Your contract ends and they can either choose to, to renew you or not. And it doesn't matter what the fans think. You know, I think it's, it comes down to a business choice at that point. And, uh, it's no different than, than, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend or whatever. It's, I mean, it's never pleasant, right? Like yeah. someone doesn't want you anymore. It's, it's not a pleasant feeling. Right. And, and I think, meth can attest to, to going through that with with ottawa or any other team for that matter was, um you know although ottawa did want to keep you i guess in that conversation but just the way the expansion draft worked out it didn't work out for you but you know yeah. i think at the end of the day it's, you know you understand it and you move on and and you realize that it's nothing personal and it's just a it's a business and, and professional position that they need to take yeah 
So how would you assess your 10 years in Ottawa? There was, I think when you arrived in Ottawa out of Colorado and trade for Brian Elliott on trade deadline day is that they didn't know what they had in you coming to Ottawa. They needed to find out because they'd heard that perhaps you were hard to get along with, or they weren't sure about playing habits or whatnot. Did you know that coming in that you were, I guess, needing to prove yourself that first season? I think every time you step on the ice, you need to prove yourself. Um, you know, and I think from that point, you know, it's a fresh start. You get a fresh, you know, uh, you know, a fresh first impression. And, you know, so, like I said, we had this conversation earlier about, you know, my dry humor and, and rubbing people the wrong way. And it's not intentional. It's just, it's me being clueless for one on practice habits and not getting the temperature of, of, of kind of situation and be like, Oh, guys are really pissed. Maybe I should do something different as opposed to, <laughs> you know, you know, so like I said, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've had, to, I had to learn and, and I'm still learning, you know, and, and there was times in Ottawa where I pissed off a lot of people, I'm sure from player standpoint of, of practice habits and, you know, again, it's one of those things where if you're playing well and you're you're stealing games, no one cares. But as soon as things start going sideways and you're not the hardest working guy there and you're not the best player, you know, guys get pissed off and then that kind of snowballs and then you get the rep on it. So, you know, as far as proving myself, again, I, I try to do that every day, um, you know, especially in the well, in the games, you, you got to prove it every day, but it starts with practice habits. And that's one of the things that I've learned over the years is how to manage your practice habits and um and go from there but yeah uh you played for six different coaches in ottawa Corey cluston paul mclean dave cameron guy boucher mark crawford dj smith uh who was your favorite all of them <laughs> you don't have you're not playing for them anymore you don't have to say that I, you know i i never had an issue with with anyone i don't think um you know i really liked i really liked playing with paul mclean um you know i think he was very fair to me and, and fair to my family. And he was always there um, when I needed him. And he was the guy that, that drove me to the hospital when I decided to cut my fingers off. So uh, he holds a special place in my heart and, and, you know, his family was very good to Nicole and, and us. So, I mean, you know, I would say he was probably my favorite, but I won't give you a, a least favorite, but um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really have any, you know, least favorite. Like I said, it was one of those things where the head coach, I was always interacting with the goalie coach. So the, the head coach mostly left us alone and we did our thing. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the players have more interaction with, with the head coach or the assistants that they may, may or may not like them. Whereas the goalie coach, I, I, you know, I had two there. So that's the way I look at it. Which player did you want to fight the most in practice? And I only say that because I know there are certain players that like to go high on you in practice. And I can think of one in particular, and I'm not going to wait and see if you say his name, but is there guys that you hated to see in practice come down the wing? Cause they were always trying to go out your head. Well, there's just one guy, but there's no chance I could beat him up. <laughs> is it Zach? Oh, was, it, was it Mueller or Smitty? There's both of them, but yeah. Most <laughs> I was, I was genuinely curious. I was sitting on that question oh, yeah. too. I'm like, You're I wonder what he's right? going to say. <laughs> no, but actually neither was, neither was pretty respectful. Smitty just, just had no control and he shot so hard. Um, yeah, you did. You know, You're right. Smitty just, he was, you know, neither, neither was always the guy that came super close. Uh, Smitty was just the guy that, that had one speed and it was as hard as he could. And, um, you know, not, not that I got hit a whole lot up high, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when those guys were shooting, you couldn't full butterfly because they had no idea where it was going. Uh, it was going, 
somewhere near where the glass is. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and they they get mad when you didn't play them legit. Yet they, you know, it's just there were the guys where you had to play legit, but you really couldn't because you knew you'd get hurt if they you know, if they hit you. Well, and I feel like um, Neeler would celebrate too after his goals, right? Like Smitty would be a little more professional about it, but Neeler would put his arms up and scream and yell, wouldn't he? Like he'd do that occasionally at least. That would drive oh, yeah. you crazy, I'm assuming. Yeah. No, neither was good. At least neither you could talk to. Smitty would just nap. Um, <laughs> but neither neither you could at least talk to. And and like, like I said, neither and I. Well, obviously you know, meth, it was me, Meth, and neither pretty much every early team dinner or dinner, <laughs> yeah, dinner on the road. So like, so like I, I feel like the three of us could could really kind of like throw throw each other under the bus and still like chirp each other and still kind of be be kosher. Whereas with Smitty, it was, it was like it was an on and off switch with Smitty. You either got him when he was spooper pissed or you got him and it was like, ah, okay. Are you serious? Or like, I think the best was when Smitty snapped when, when his clothes ended up in the, uh, the, your, no, it was was your clothes. Was it your clothes ended up in the freezer or was it Smitty? No, it was Smitty because he burned Neeler's hat with a blowtorch. Remember it was Neeler's favorite (laughs) gong show. I know we've actually told this story on here before, probably twice between Neeler coming on and Smitty, but it was so funny, but you're right. Yeah. And then, and then, uh Neeler went after Smitty, threw all his yeah. clothes in the freezer, and it like it like shrunk and ruined his clothes. <laughs> Smitty was pissed. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. No, those are no. good times. Did you do yeah. any pranks? No, I tried to stay out of everybody's way. Me too. Yeah, I just I didn't want it. I didn't, you know what? You didn't you didn't want to piss off Smitty or Neeler because you knew you were gonna get it tenfold. Yes, correct. Uh so the Go ahead. No, I, I, that, that's pretty much it. Like, you just, you didn't want to mess with those two guys. Neither would just take it to another level. Like, did you guys talk about the old fish in the old uh, backseat? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah and Patty Patrick Mirkoch's Mirkoch. backseat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like like I said, Neither couldn't keep it to, like, simple, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, whatever. I'll, I'm going to put water in your boot or something. It was, like, full on. Yeah. We're taking well, your car. We're taking the wheels off, putting it on blocks. <laughs> like, it was just – he took it to a whole other level on every single time. So imagine someone pulling a prank on you, like something very harmless in a, in a workspace, and then that guy going out of his way to go to a grocery <laughs> store. Like, like, it's not like there was a piece of salmon floating around in the room that you could just grab. <laughs> like, he had to go – he had to actively get out – go out of his way, go to Farm Boy or whatever grocery store it was, grab the fish – and then put it into Patty's vehicle that was presumably locked. So he would have had to have grabbed his keys. It's just like, it's just classic Chris Neal. And I think that's what made him so uh, likable. Cause if you were on the outside and you weren't the one screwing around with them, it was hilarious. Yeah. I, like I said, there was, it was almost comical to the point, like, all right, you're almost waiting to see what Neeler would do. And that was, <laughs> that was, I mean, but it kept the room light. Like it was, it yeah, was it honestly was. like without him being there that, that last, was it one year or two years that I was there without him? It was, it was such a different room and different vibe yeah. that uh, you just kind of get, I mean, not that it was good or bad. It was just a different vibe, um, you know, for what Neeler kind of brought to the room and to the ice. Yeah. Uh, I have lots of questions about Ottawa. Like I question about uh, Robin Leonard and Ben Bishop, when you guys were going through that and I was that, that was the shortened year. I think the lockout year, uh, 2012, 13, and you had three strong goaltenders. Was it, uh, a weird scenario watching that all play out until ultimately Ben Bishop is traded. Um, honestly, we wouldn't even have gotten a Ben Bishop if I didn't cut myself. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my own doing, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think, 
you know, I, you know, when you got three guys, it, it, you're in, you're giving the team a, a great opportunity to, to kind of make a move or, or do something with it. But I mean, going into that season, I know my agent was freaking out because I sat, did nothing for four months. Uh, although we did go to Northwest territories, which was awesome. Yes. But, but Robin Leonard and Bishop were playing in the American league that year, uh, for the shortened season. So like, it was one of those things where you got to figure it out. Um, it was a bit, yeah. So it was the year before that I cut, I don't remember whatever it was. Bishop was already playing in the system. So it must've been the year before we got him. Cause you traded for him from St. Louis, uh, the I year before year. the year before. Okay. Cause he was in he, yeah. Because he was in the minors with Leonard in Binghamton. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like, Hey, like, I had to get mentally prepared and ready and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of it was a shortened season you got thrown in there at training camp training was short and very little preseason games but um no it was a good like i said it was a good kind of combination robin was still young and learning um uh, bish was kind of starting to feel his stride so um you know at the end of the, to be honest with you i, I kind of thought that maybe i was going to be the odd man out when i kind of came back but um you know it didn't happen that way and i was kind of thankful for that You've played with lots of different goaltenders, Leonard and Bishop, a couple. Uh, Ed Belfour, Corey Crawford, Nick Happy Bulin, Peter Budai. Uh, of all the goalies you play with, which is a, a huge number, is there anyone that really stands out as being odd or different or, I don't know, that you got along with the most? Like, where were, I just want to know about these different goaltenders you played with. Some of them are in the National Hockey Hall of Fame, or in the Hockey Hall of Fame, I should say. Um, playing with Eddie was like my first surreal experience with like a guy I grew up watching. Um, like I played with Javi Bluen, but like, you know, I, I was, wasn't like a follower of his as a kid. Like the guy that I followed as a kid was Chicago. Right. So you had Belfort there and playing alongside of him. It was kind of a neat because he was, I, I saw him, his preparation level and kind of what he did at, 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 at his level and how he was doing it at 42 or 43 years old in Florida. Um, his, his routine, his habits of, of diet, et cetera. Um, you know, it was kind of, kind of cool to see. I really enjoyed playing with Jocelyn Tebow. Like that was my first memory is, you know, first couple of years pro. And then he was the goalie coach in Colorado the one year. So that kind of relationship was cool. And, and that was exciting. Um, and that was back when you had to have a certain amount of games to have not have a roommate. Right. So I roomed right. with Jocelyn Tebow, like my first, you know, my first two years of being called up. So uh, that was just awesome. Cool experience. Surreal, you know, a guy that's, uh, you know, you're rooming with the starting goaltender and you're just like, almost like a fan. Um, and I guess my best memory of, of Ed Belfour, I'll kind of throw this in here. Um, we were training camp in Florida and for whatever reason during training camp, they had all the vets paired up and one of the, Ed Belfour was paired up with a player. Um, I think it was Kendall McArdle. And Kendall got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and ended up crawling into the wrong bed with Eddie by accident. <laughs> Eddie's kicked him out. So, like, you know, like you're half asleep, like you got two two double beds there in the hotel, and you go to the bathroom, you come back, and he just he crawled into the wrong bed. You know, it's just like you got a 43-year-old guy and a 20-year-old kid. And it's like, man, that's just <laughs> Something oh. this, this isn't right now. Now, obviously, we all get our own rooms and stuff, but that it's just kind of the old, the old way things used to be. And how many games was that, Andy? It was it's like, it was like eight hundred, I think, that you had had to have played, right? Which was an impossible number for the most part. 
it was, was it 10 it, it was 10 years and in, in like uh, it might have been 600 and 10 years oh, okay. like it couldn't yeah. it couldn't be it couldn't be either it couldn't be like 600 you get it, it had to be 10 years and 600 for you to get your own room wow. uh, or you yeah. or you could spend the eight thousand dollars or whatever and give the team money to have your own room i did that in columbus <laughs> of course of course you did as a prima donna with my sleep yeah anyway. <laughs> do you miss roommates uh, I had a couple good ones and, and when you get paired up with a, with a guy you really like, I think it can be a good thing. Um, if you get on the same sleeping habits and, and nap times yeah. and schedules and everything, but, uh, you know, like I said, it just depends on the personalities and if they clash or not. Uh, I had one guy who liked to talk on the phone the whole time and I lasted one road trip with him. He was always on the phone. He snored. It was just, it was like, oh, no, I'm good. You know, like, Hey, I need to find a new guy. <laughs> Give us a name. Nope. Oh, so disappointing. Can't do it. Um, I guess my best roommate was, no, I'll give you my best roommate. My best roommate was TJ Galliardi. He was never there. <laughs> Where was he? He was with Paul Stasny, hanging out in his room. <laughs> uh, Mike McKenna was one of, a, a backup with you at one point for not a long time, but he's a big racing fan. Did you spend a lot of time talking cars with him? Uh, the second time around. Yeah. I guess the first time around that I was kind of with him, uh, through, I guess it was like a training camp and we really didn't know each other, but the second time he came through Ottawa there, uh, we, we talked all the time. He, he had this little snake mug that he did his crosswords every day. And, um, you know, in between every third word that he got, we, we'd have a little conversation. So, and it, and it always had something to do with either goal pads or, um, you know, what was this guy thinking or yeah, something to do with racing with his dad and, and kind of the way things used to be he was he's a very cerebral guy he he recently had comments about ottawa and i don't know if you saw any of them or whatnot but he he wasn't a big fan of how the organization treated him now i i can only assume that it's probably not the same for you because of uh, this organization treated you very well i think in your 10 years here for the most part you want an answer for that sure Okay. Yeah. I, I was treated very well. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, so well, I don't, I don't, I can't personally say anything about, you know, what, what happened with, with McKenna, but at, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, everybody kind of has a good experience or a bad experience or kind of a, a null experience. And, you know, mine was a good experience. I've also been in organizations where you think it's a bad experience, but then when you go somewhere else, Hey, it wasn't that bad. So Mike had the, you know, he had the career where he was, he was in multiple organizations for, for multiple years. So he got to see, um, and got treated from, you know, whatever it might've been 10 or 12 different organizations. He got yeah. to, to kind of get that feeling. So, uh, he, per se, Ottawa may not have treated him poorly. It just may not have been as good as somewhere else. And that kind of rubbed him the wrong way as like, well, this organization treated me this way. And I didn't get that same respect or that same thing. And that can, that can definitely, you know, sway your, your conversation as well. Uh, all right, I'll move past that. And I, I have a couple of questions that are just off the wall a little bit. I, do you have any fears? You. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I share yeah. that same fear, Andy, <laughs> every day. Okay. Uh, are you afraid of snakes or you have an alligator lives in your backyard? So I'm assuming that's not one. Is there anything that yeah. you're scared of? Um, I don't know. No, I, I don't really think about it, so I don't. Okay. I mean, I'm if sure. I'm saw, sure those things. Andy, if you saw a tarantula, a big, a big ass, hairy fucking tarantula crawling across your room, would you shit your pants? Probably not. 
Okay. Well, I would. Uh, <laughs> and Alex Ovechkin's slap shot? <laughs> no, I mean, no. Okay. All right. Uh, no. Do you have any phobias? No. I thought I was scared of heights, but we went ziplining this summer in, in Hawaii. So that was like an nice. awesome experience. And I thought I'd be a lot more scared of the heights than, cause I remember it as a, when I was in junior, we did like a team building exercise oh. and we, and we went to a, to a place where they had this thing, uh, where you did a bunch of stuff. And one of them was going up on to not a zipline, but going up to like a high wire and you'd be harnessed in and your teammates would be holding onto the wire as you walked across the high wire. And I just couldn't do it. I sat there, panicked, freaked out. And so I thought for sure 20 years later that I'd be scared of ziplining, you know, because you're up in the trees like that. And it just wasn't the case. I actually had a good, good time. Nice. <laughs> okay, Matt, you don't like team bonding exercises? Is that what I'm getting? No, well, it's to add to Andy. I don't, this isn't my interview, of course, but, but I can relate because I remember the one year Hitch. God bless him. I love Hitch. But he had us do, he brought in a bunch of friggin' Navy SEALs and we went to this camp outside of Columbus where they had this like, you know, kind of like what Andy's talking about, like, you know, these huge uh, walls that you had to climb with ropes and we had to carry these massive uh, tank shells that weighed 90 pounds across like this ravine and we had to figure out ways to get it, right? So you're you're bagged by the first regular season game like you're exhausted and sure as shit we got pumped in that first game so and and the, and the teams prior to us when doug mcclain was the general manager there they would go down to florida stay like the ritz carlton and in, in uh fort lauderdale for a few days relax and here i am as a rookie and i'm like looking forward to that and then i hear about the audible that our coach pulls and we end up doing boot camp so the, the heights thing i can relate with andy it sucks but you get past it yeah, we, we had another experience where we went to West Point for Florida, right? And so you oh got boy. sixty million, you got sixty million dollars worth of athletes running through the forest doing these like army yeah. army team bonding stuff, right? So like it was cool. The end of the day, like maybe it was the second day we went and played paint, paintball and stuff. Like, yeah, we did guys that ended too. Up with, guys ended up with bruises and stuff. But anyways, so we we had we had like we had these different exercises to do as a team, and you split up in the groups of eight or whatever it was. So. Uh, one was like flipping tractor tires, like, you know, a hundred yards and figuring out how to do it as a team. Um, you know, that one was like building a, building a fort or building a house, a shelter out in the middle of the forest or whatever. And anyway, so we're, we're up in, up in this mountain there at West point and sure enough, someone gets hurt, right? So you got $60 million athletes running through the, through the forest in the dark, right? <laughs> somebody has to get hurt right somebody has to get hurt at all these events right guess who get guess who gets hurt 60 million dollars is 06 07 roughly uh so vokum is the goalie you know all the yokin and dvorak stumple all these guys right yeah. jay bowmeister so, jay bowmeister right so who gets hurt guess who gets hurt Jacques martin no. rolls, <laughs> rolls his ankle watching everybody just kind of strolling through the, the forest right you know, like our GM head coach got hurt, but oh, yeah, no, they must again, have, was, you guys must have had a ball with that one. Yeah, it was great. But like I said, I mean, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, um, yeah. you know, you know yeah. Florida always, Florida always started the year. Oh, like two and eight. Right. And then they'd have a strong finish. Well, every year, Florida, they'd go to Colorado, they'd go to the owner's place. They do training camp in Colorado for three days. They go to Calgary, they go to Edmonton, they end up in uh, Detroit, then Montreal, then back to Florida, right? Cause it's hurricane season. Right. So you, 
they, they try to get out of there, but you spend two weeks on the road for training camp and then your first 10 games at home. It makes no sense. And now, now imagine this concept going through training camp, which is incredibly difficult and then just relaxing at your house for a couple of days before the regular season starts. Like, is that such a crazy idea? That's why I was always against all that nonsense. Like, I could understand them bringing people into the arena. They did that with Ottawa. I don't know if you remember that, Andy, where they would bring in yeah. some people to t- speak with us a little bit and, and offer right. leadership stuff. And, and that's where you and I discovered we were both very pragmatic people. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like, why do you have to go travel somewhere and sleep in a tent for, for a week when you could, you know, like you're playing a physical yeah. sport, you're exhausted. And we, and we both hated that, that, two days with that team bonding. I hated it. I hated thing. it. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as oh, it was like the lesser of two evils, we still hated it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it just, it felt very forced, right? Like, yeah. especially when you know most of the players and we're all very outspoken guys. So when we do have new players, it's not hard to welcome them in. You're talking to them at the rink every day. So now all of a sudden you're doing all these extracurriculars and they didn't feel genuine. They always felt forced. Like you were forcing yourself to comply with these ridiculous exercises. And that's like just touching on what, cause Wally's like, well, you don't like doing those things. It's like, no, I hated it. It was the bane of my existence. <laughs> that's, that's a Jacques Martin thing though. When he was in Ottawa, I remember going to Charlevoix. I heard the, the casino and all of a sudden guys are like two hours late and they're having to trape through the woods in the pitch dark, trying to get yeah. back to their vehicles or whatever, because something happened. Uh, typical Jacques though. They were in the middle of the woods. That's how you roll your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> you think you would have known better. Um, Andy, yeah. this is our uh, one big question we need to know, and that's what's your favorite snack if you were watching a movie? Oh, popcorn. PC nice. all day long. Yeah, PC all day long. Okay. Is there butter I, on I, this? I played some of my, I, I, oh, yeah. I've play, I, I played some of my best games after uh, going to a movie all day, uh, eating popcorn, right? So, like, you're on the road, you go to a movie, you have popcorn, you get the big giant popcorn and sometimes a slushy sometimes a giant water depending on how you're feeling then you, everything's closed at nine o'clock at night for restaurants so you order chinese food i mean it's kind of like the thing to <laughs> do you know you, you didn't go to a movie on game day though it was the night before. no no no, no, no. the night, night before, before. Right. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah the night right. before yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it, actually i remember i remember going and this was i was in florida i was the backup in florida and i remember going with some of the training staff we went bowling for the day so you go bowl a couple games, we went to a movie, ate some popcorn, then we ordered Chinese food. I think it, it might have been around like Thanksgiving or something, so everything was closed, right? So like, yeah. it's all you could eat. Uh, I appreciate who, that. Who's your favorite teammate you played with? Let's go with just Ottawa. Mark you McDott. can't say Excluding me. No, it no, puts him on no, the spot. I don't no. like the question. Because yeah. every guy feels compelled to say me or something. <laughs> Andy, aside from Mark Mathot, who did you? who else did you really like hanging out with? Outside of uh, the arena, probably Clarky. Yeah, Clark MacArthur. Yeah, it's just a good, there we go. good home, fun-loving dude. Um, well, dry sense of humor, a lot like you. Sar- incredibly sarcastic. Yeah, uh, grumpy like- as well. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Uh, but I played with I played with Clark in in Rochester when I was in Florida uh, when I got sent back to the minors. So he and I kind of knew each other from then. So he and I got along really well in Ottawa, and it was kind of one of those things where just you know. Again, it was awesome nice. hanging out with him. Do you see Great. him now? He's in Florida somewhere, but I don't know how close he is to you. He's in Palm Beach. Uh, I think he just had his third child, so I don't know. He's pretty busy. Didn't they, um, Andy, didn't they sell their house down there and go back to Roch for a little bit, and now they're back in Palm Beach? 
So they were renting in Palm Beach. Uh, right. He had That's his house in Roch. So then he went back to Roch, but I think they're moving down here full time. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. My wife, my wife talks to his wife uh, a lot more than I talk to him. So yeah, fair enough. Right. Usually uh, how it works. So I got to ask you, cause I, I should have asked earlier on and you're going into Buffalo where there's a lot of turmoil and turnover. Um, how much do you pay attention to that, knowing there's so much talk about Jack Eichel and all that stuff that's going on? Do you just try to ignore it all and show up to camp, or do you pay attention to how that's playing out? Uh, you know, I don't know the details of it all, so it's tough for me to kind of make a comment on or kind of make, a, I guess, a, an assumption there of anything that's kind of going on. So uh, I like to always think to, you know, control what you can control. And I've got no control over what, what's, what's going on there. Uh, the only thing I can do is, is kind of go in there with an open mindset and try to like get, get a temperature of the room, get a temperature of the guys and see where they're at and see, see kind of, you know, what's going on there. And that's, you know, I think that's the best thing I can do is just um, not worry about the turmoil or whatever's happened in the past. It's, it's how do we go and put the right foot forward and, they make a step in the right direction for them. And uh, have they told you if they expect you to play a lot? Like, has there been any discussion of what they expect from you ice work-wise, I should say? Uh, I have no idea. I talked to Don Granado uh, briefly and it was, um, you know, very short, but it was like, Hey, like, you know, we're going through some change and he goes, I know you've been through, you know, this type of, you know, situation before, you know, I, I, Every team kind of goes through, um, you know, being in last place and getting high draft picks. And then what, what do they do with it? Right. So uh, my, my conversation with Don was uh, let's get the right people involved. Let's get, you know, get the right people around these core kids to, to show them the way. And, and so that they can make strides when, when the next draft picks come through so that uh, they can, can continue to improve and get better. I mean, they've, they've kind of been spinning their wheels for, for a few years and, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, as far as the guys they are bringing in, that's, that's their job and our job to, to try to get those wheels some traction and, and start moving them, you know, North. Well, we do wish you luck. I hope that you can plan it so that win number nine and 300 is on the day that you come to Ottawa, but I guess you'd probably want to win more than that beforehand. So I'll leave that up to you. However, I've been fortunate enough through my career to sit around with a few of your milestones. I remember being in New Jersey, I think when you played your 300th game and there's been a few others. So uh, we wish you luck. We appreciate your stop and by. And uh, I can't wait to perhaps see you back on the ice and look forward to seeing your game here in Ottawa, hopefully. Uh, fantastic job done by Craig Anderson. Now, you know what? Even for as crusty as he was, I still miss him in the nation's capital. Uh, as we welcome in Craig to the show, of course, brought to you by facesmag.ca. We like to add another face, so why not add it sponsored by faces? Uh, check out their latest edition. That includes Austin Watson on the cover, and he's, he shares his story uh, throughout his NHL career. Okay, guys. Um, Andy, I, there's a couple. We've talked about memorable moments, and I will say one of them, uh, that we've talked a lot to death, but it's still one I'll never forget as, as long as I probably can remember. And that is the night that he returns in Edmonton, uh, leaving the hospital with Nicole and going to play that game. And he posts the shutout. I think it's two nothing in Edmonton. Mm. Mm. He's in the tunnel. As you know, he's coming out to be the first star. And he, you can see he's tearing up. And as he comes out, Cam Talbot, the Edmonton Oilers goalie, is waiting on the bench just to kind of support him and show, you know what, I'm here for you. That was one of the most emotional things I've seen uh, done in the NHL in an awfully long time. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, it was nice. And, and he was emotional in the room too. After when he came in, you could see it. So happy for him, big moment. And I, we never touched on it, but I think it's been, it's been spoken on yeah. lots already. And, uh, but it was really nice to see for him and Nicole. So what's that room like when he arrives? Like, I know he, if from everything that he's told me and everything I've heard, he didn't really talk much and there wasn't much said. No, he, he came in the room and we all kind of got up and clapped for him and gave him a hug and whatever. And um, he was, you could tell he was emotional a little bit and, and we couldn't have been happier for him. I mean, we just played against the Edmonton Oilers and did a pretty good job against them. And he comes in first star, very emotional. We're all hugging and yeah, it was just a nice feeling. Um, but not, not a whole lot of words needed to be said. You know what I mean? I mean, I think yep. the actions and everything that had been gone on kind of spoke for itself. So then what's the bench like as the minutes, I guess, count down and there's a chance that he's got a shutout. Like, is there no chance that they're getting a shot on goal type feeling? Well, you're trying, right? But Edmonton, you're also so. playing against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, <laughs> yeah. so it's a little hard. But, um, yeah, you're puckering up a little, right? You're kind of hoping that nothing bad happens out there and that we can hang on. And um, I think the cards were just in our favor that day with everything that was happening. It was an emotional game for everybody. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he touched on a couple of things uh, with him as far as during that interview. Um, and I wanted to kind of circle back on it. Matt, I could tell that when you guys were talking about those training camp activities, um, that maybe that was something that you'd had some experience with in the past. And there was yeah. maybe something, you know, but it was the Andy interview. So you didn't want to just barge in there and knock it all down. Uh, yeah. Looking back on it, like, did you, did you look forward to those training camp activities ever? Or were, were those just no. like another thing Never. you had to do leading into the season? Cause we would, we would skate. It's a good question, Craig. Cause like we would, we would do it for people who don't know and don't know what we're talking about during training camp. You work like a dog all morning and afternoon. I'm not complaining about that. I enjoy doing that. But then instead of going home and eating and resting, teams have these ideas for team building where you have to go do like some silly activities together where you go into a room and we're all divided into groups and we have to cook like a meal together or something. And like, by the way, for mo almost all of us, these are players that I've already been playing with for a couple of years. So all I'm thinking is I'm very tired and I just want to go home. Um, but that was me. And that could be just me being crusty and a grump. Uh, but uh, and Andy, I think, could kind of res that kind of resonated with Andy as well. But but teams they try to do these things. These they'll bring people in to talk to the group, and you know, God bless them. I know the heart's in the right place, but I want to say three quarters of the time it's an absolute waste. Um, but that's just the way the business works. I know teams are looking for an edge, so it was cool. Like when we were in Dallas, they brought in a Navy SEAL, like a, a SEAL Team Six guy. I thought that was cool because he was to the point. He was concise. He was only there for 30 minutes. He hit on all the important points for team building. And then that was done. We weren't sitting around the arena for three hours after. So that's kind of, that was my two cents on it. And I wanted to chime in more to talk about it, but I couldn't. Did you go to Ocala? Were you one of like one of the time, the times you went to uh, Eugene's ranch floor? No, but, uh, but in ranch. Columbus with, with Ken Hitchcock, he wanted us to go do this thing outside of Columbus, Ohio, out in the woods where we had to do all these military activities for two days. And I think I've told this story before, but a bunch of guys got hurt. We're carrying around these like 150 pound like tank shells and we have to share the way the, the load <laughs> yeah. with other players. And like, it was just crazy. You know, like I, we, we would do paintball. I think one year we did paintball. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, other years, the team had gone to like Fort, uh, Lauderdale for a couple of days. I never had to, I never had the pleasure of experiencing that to me. That's more my pace. Uh, but again, it's, it's up to the coaching staff and, and, the, and the general manager and it varies. 
Um, what's if you could design, like, what would be the perfect uh, training camp activity, team building? <laughs> what, what would you? What would, what would Mark Mathon design his own? It's totally gonna uh, be shooting. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. You know what? Like, I'm all, for doing I'm all for doing an one activity when the camp ends and you have like a three or four day period before your first game or whatever, maybe you go to the gun range or you go bowling or you do some stupid activity like that. That's fun. Or you have a nice big team dinner perhaps. Um, but that would be my style training camp itself. When the fitness testing comes around, I get it. You need to have it. You need to hold players accountable and make sure they're working hard in the summer. I wouldn't change any of that. I think it's just the activity stuff. I would maybe tweak a little. You mentioned you mentioned dinners there for a second. I wanted to ask you something because we've had a few guys that have said that they're in the Mark Mathot Early Bird Dinner Club. But it's this list yeah. is starting to add up. How big is this list? Here's who I got on the list. I yeah. got Andy and Neil. They both they both said it. Uh, Stone, Smitty, Bobby. Is there anybody else that I'm missing? Derek, That's yeah, so I'm not I'm not looking that crazy after all, right? No, like, not at all. I think once people start to come out of their shells a little, I you know I've got a good crowd. <laughs> so there'd usually be about eight eight people, and there's more even. Um, where you, you'd be kind of like split up into different groups, right? Cause it's, you just get your food quicker if you're four versus eight or 10. And so, and guys go to different restaurants, but yeah, there's a bunch of guys that we would rotate right among the group, depending yeah. on who you were talking to on the way back to the hotel from practice and whoever you were lining something up with. And that's generally how it worked. Am I missing anybody? Brass? Did, did, brass yeah. Too? Brass yeah. would join us as well. Yeah. Okay. And, um, uh, Jared Cowan, when he was playing with us, he was okay. also pretty early. There's, there's a lot of guys. Colin yeah, Greening, Eric Condra. Pager? Pager? He's a, Pager was one of like the late, late guys. Guy. Yeah, Pager yeah, was a late guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I just wanted to clear that up because I keep hearing guys, yeah. and they're almost talking like, you know those sitcoms where you got to keep like girls in the different parts of the restaurant? Like, it almost sounds <laughs> like everybody's like, me and meth. And I was like, okay, like this list is yeah. getting pretty big. But okay, yeah, I think yeah. it's just, maybe you're not as crazy as we thought you were. No, and I think, I think ultimately I also chose wisely because like when I would go eat with Eric and Dion, we'd always have to play the credit card game and that, and you know, those guys did big, nice bottles of wine and whatever it was. So the bill was always substantially larger than the ones that I was used to paying. Yeah. And of course they always wanted to gamble with it. I couldn't do that. It ruined my whole evening. So I'm more conservative. I'd stuck with my group, never went back with Eric and Dion. And that's, that's kind of how I approached the road. Okay. All right. I feel like we got to the bottom of that one. Um, yeah. The the last thing I really want to touch about with this Andy interviews, um, Brent, you asked him about kind of, Taken who who is a player that he wanted to kill, right? It was firing pucks okay. at his head and stuff like that. Uh, you guys each seemed like you knew who he was, who he was going to mention before, but he mentioned both Smitty and Neeler. Were those like the two notorious guys, or is there anybody yeah. else? Those are the guys <laughs> that just blindly. Well, Hoff Hoff would shoot high sometimes oh, too, yeah. uh, uh, oh, Mike Hoff. But I, 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 yeah, I think I think typically at least with a, with a sniper, he knows where his puck is going. Whereas the guy like Smitty and Neeler and myself even, but I never shot high. Um, but, but typically guys like that have a little less control over their shots and Smitty would shoot it really hard. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand why Andy kind of mentioned them. Um, they were your typical suspects or culprits, I should say, when it came to the high shots. Okay. You can always see, right? Like, like you can see the guy who comes down and it could be Eric Condra. Like, and I don't know it for sure, but some guy just whistles it at his head. You can always see the goalie's head turn. Oh, and yeah. you know exactly what he's saying to him. Oh, like for you sure. can see the anger coming out of him without even hearing a word. Yeah, and then I agree. I saw like Ray Emery, like Ray Emery was very competitive. Uh, we'll put it that way. I remember him and Chris Neal getting into it uh, along the glass in the corner. I, there was like, I don't know if they had to be separated, but I don't know if any punches were thrown. 
And then mm. Brian McGratton would irritate somebody occasionally here and there. And so, and, and you're on the ice like a hundred times a year practicing, right? Like there's going to be some confrontation. They're all alpha type males. And so you see some yeah. of that happen in practices where guys start mouthing off to each other. Uh, oh yeah. It's like it's always the same suspects. Yeah. And it's funny because it's so far from reality, right? Like if you're in a typical yes. office environment, like you're a government worker or whatever you are, um, you can't get away with God, 99.9% .9 of the things we say to each other when we're unhappy on the ice or, or and it gets physical. Like you guys just mentioned, yeah. you can't cross check a guy in the office when you're pissed off. I'm sure a lot of people would like to, uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the environment we grow up in. Right. So it, it can, it can change you a little bit, but again, that's part of the job. Or you see the slashing of ankles a lot, right? Cause you guys are battling, you're hitting like somebody's <laughs> not happy at 10 in the morning to get bumped and I don't blame them. And then oh, all of a sudden man. you just see the two hands going at each other. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that's, and that's, and that's very typical, right? Like yeah. it happens way more often than people realize. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it gets brushed off where you kind of realize in the moment after you've done something, okay, he's my teammate, I'm going to back off and then it gets squashed. But um, you never, you don't really catch a lot of that stuff on camera, right? So fans are unaware of it, but I'm telling you, and, and you what you guys both know from watching, it happens almost all the time. And it happened, used to happen a lot more, yes. a lot less phones, right? Yes. So everything is being recorded and then all Correct. instantly put out there. There used to be a yeah. whole lot more of that. So oh, now yeah. it just gets like, settled in the back. Yeah, in junior, even in junior, when I played junior, like our team captain we had there was Danny Bois. He was a scary human being. He, he actually ended up in Ottawa's farm farm system and played in uh, Binghamton for quite a bit. But like guys like him, you know, and so they kept everybody accountable on the ice. And if I wasn't doing something properly or if I went after a guy too hard, I knew a guy like him was coming at me. And he, was, he literally would drop the gloves and just grab you and threaten to beat the, beat the shit out of you. And that was just the way that things work. <laughs> but you mentioned it. Now that everyone's got a phone and everyone's a reporter, I think players – are a little more reluctant to get into a big scuffle because, you know, it just brings drama to the team. It's not worth it. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Besides uh, fire and pucks at the goalie's head, are there any other kind of like unwritten rules as far as like practice etiquette goes, like do's and don'ts? Like what, what, yeah. what are some things that maybe fans wouldn't realize that are actually big deals? You got to finish all the plays properly. So when you're in practice, you're not – you have to try to make it as game like as possible. So when you're going down on a two on O and, and, and um, you know, you're going to the net, you have to stop right at the net for that rebound. If you don't stop at the net and you curl away when the goalie makes a save, the coaches lose it on you. They do not like that stuff. There are all, there's, there's a lot of small little details that uh, become very habitual in practice that you don't really realize until you're there at the pro level, because it's not always enforced in junior or minor hockey, obviously, but it's a very, yeah, it, it's a very serious wake-up call for a player once you get to that pro level. Like I could be on the blue line and getting a pass from a forward or someone on a transition, and I might stick handle a couple times. We would call that dusting it off before I would make a pass to my partner or somewhere else. Coach would blow that down. You know, you can't do that. You're wasting time. Corral it, move it right away. And and those are all the adjustments you have to make as a player. Being on the ice on time. You're not on the ice on time. You're going to get sent home. Uh, if you're a young player, do not get off the ice before the veterans. Make sure you're, if you're a rookie, you're the last guys on the ice, you're going to pick up all the pucks, then you get off. And it's, it's crazy, but it becomes so uh, normalized in that, in that workspace that you don't really think anything of it until you have a conversation like this afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know for us, like, go ahead, Brant. Sorry. I was just say, you know, what's interesting about that whole picking up pucks after practice. And I've noticed it more last year than I think any other because Ottawa is so young and so full of 22 year old players and younger, <laughs> they're all still on the ice. 
Yeah. So there's and, like and six I can of tell them you, now picking up pucks. And I can tell you that like maybe the majority of the time they shouldn't still be on the ice. You should just right. get off the ice. Go get but your recovery. But they just want to hang out. That's I know. The thing. And, and well, and, 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 but I think a lot of it is, is not by choice, Wally. Like a lot of guys like myself, when I played, you're exhausted. You just had a full practice. You just worked harder than any of the vets. Cause you're a young guy. And now you're expected to just sit out there and pretend like you're doing something productive on, on, on a brutal ice surface full of snow. No, you're not able to do anything. It's, it's, you can argue it two ways. Some guys should be out there shooting pucks, but oftentimes for a young player that maybe is playing 20 some odd minutes tonight, he should probably get off the ice. But because of that culture, you have to stay out there. No, that's fair. But I will say when I watched, uh, and it was in January, uh, yeah. I have, and I have the video of it. Like you see Stutzla and I can't remember if it's Drake. It Bastion. was Norris too. I think Norris. I remember this like one, They yeah. were doing sure. curling yeah. and there was guys that are just like trying to play keep away. And it, yeah, like, I didn't get the sense a, that they needed to be on the ice. I got the sense okay. that they just flat out wanted just to hang out, but it was, yeah, but you, don't get me wrong. New season. And they just had started playing again, right? So they just had been off the ice for months. Right. So that was part of yeah. it. So yeah, exactly. I don't disagree because I remember Jacques Martin, Brian Murray, most coaches like, guys, off the ice now. Guy Boucher was another one, right? Get off the ice. Yeah, they'll say that after Christmas. If you're like on a yeah. run and the team's yeah. doing very well and you want your players rested, coaches will like will actively go out of their way and say, guys, come on, get off. Because yeah. players are not going to go off unless you tell them to. And that's oftentimes for optics. Okay. Thanks for clearing some of those up. Cause it would be honest with you. Like I'll sit there sometimes and there'll be times like, I don't understand why. Like I, I think it was Max Verano. He got an earful cause he, he'd never done a, he got signed and his first like skate with the team was a game day skate or something like that. And he was yeah. one of the first guys off. And I remember like everybody yeah. was like, what do you do? And so it's so, like, I guess you don't totally know. Right. It's if so no dumb. You. It's yeah. so dumb. <laughs> I would understand that on a practice day, but imagine on a game day, like the NBA guys, when you're yeah. on the road and you see the NBA guys on a game day, they have the same schedule as us. Yeah. Maybe a little less physical. It is more physical than, than most people think. But my point is they just do a little shoot around in the morning. Mm -hmm. They're warming up. It's so casual. Coaches not really even around. You're just doing what you got to do to wake your body up a little bit. Hockey. It's all about skate, 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 hard, hard practice in the morning. And then it's like, your legs, you feel your legs in the evening, you're tired. And it's yeah. like, it's so dumb. And it's, it's, we're getting away from that now, which is really good. I've noticed toward my last few years at the NHL level, it's starting to change, but man, oh man, like culturally they got to make some changes there. Cause it's just so old school. And, you yeah. know, you used to do pregame skates to get the hungover guys to sweat it out. Now like guys aren't hungover in the morning. Like they're yeah. full of protein and water and good food. Like they don't need to be exerting themselves. Anyway, I guess I'm preaching to nobody when I'm having this discussion no, with no, myself. No. So I'll cut, I'll cut it off there. <laughs> well, you're right though, because like uh, if you look at the NHL, like the, the, the morning skates now, those are just for media, right? Like it, I mean, you can exactly. kind of touch up a few things or maybe make a few yeah. small adjustments, but it's so uh, media can come and talk to you and whatever else. So it's, uh, it's it nice when they move to the more kind of optional ones. There's, later. There's no media veil on game days for the CFL, for the NFL, right? Like, yeah. We don't have to have them anymore. It used to just be, as Matt said, for the the night before to sweat that all the alcohol out. It's, yeah, it's yeah. unnecessary now. Yeah, the the Esposito rule, I guess, <laughs> yeah, is what exactly. it was. Exactly. Yeah, 
anyway. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, I think that kind of ties that one up. So, hey, good job with Andy, boys. I thought he, I thought he do. Hopefully, he gets three hundred. I know that's why. I know that's the yeah, he's chasing. So, Agreed. hopefully, he can lock that down in Buffalo. Uh, yeah. For anybody else who's chasing stuff, we got some stuff to give away. Uh, our friends at Gong Show have given us another puck luck game to give away. This thing's awesome. Twos, fours. Uh, set it up in parking lot, backyard, cottage. Season's kind of running out, but maybe you can sneak it in there still. Uh, so yeah, we've got. They've been the best. So head on over to GongShow.com and check out uh, their new hats for the their fall lineup it's pretty good they're killing it too for our golf tournament which uh i'm sure we're going to talk about in a second um but we got another puck luck <laughs> thing to give away so let's go ahead and do that uh, another little andy question for you uh if you remember his first game of the ottawa senators a one nothing shootout win over the toronto maple leafs was pretty epic uh who scored the lone shootout goal to win andy's first game as an ottawa senator uh if you know mm. the answer to that uh send us the, your answer on twitter and be sure to tag uh, at Gong Show Gear and use the hashtag Wally Mathot, and we're going to announce the winner on our next show. Nice. Uh, speaking of Gong Show stuff, we have new lids coming in. We have a couple of new styles. Ooh, so you know. they're they're yeah, they're nice. Yeah. Gong Show does such a good job. Yeah, man, they're nice. I, I really I don't say this lightly because I've I've known the company for a long time. They make really good, nice stuff. Wally and Craig, I'm sure you guys are aware too. It's just yeah. I'm encouraging people go and check it out. They got some really nice fall lineup stuff. Pretty sweet hoodie you got on there too, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. And these yeah. things are awesome. Like they're like it's like they're it's really legitimately high quality clothing. That's why yeah. I love it. I wear yeah. it all the time. Perfect. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Mike, you know what's funny? Like before this whole little show we did, uh, my kid has been modeling for Gong Show for like five years. Yeah, I so know. He, he just did a shoot. So we there's always been this tie-in. Anyway, uh, phenomenal stuff they've always given away. So yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, they they do some pretty good job. Uh, speaking of which, so everybody at the golf tournament gets a hat. By the way um nice it, the golf tournament's tomorrow guys it's a sellout like it's presented by giovanni's and we're raising money for difd as we've talked about in the past like yeah i was totally terrified of this at the beginning going is anybody going to show up nah, it'll like be a, fun. there's a waiting list i'm excited yeah it's great yeah it's yeah, gonna, it's, be, it's, gonna yeah. be it's gonna be well done i think the weather like fingers crossed looks, looks like yeah. it's gonna be a beautiful day um so we're gonna have some fun I may or may not sneak some um, beverages on the course. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Maybe I will. And we're (laughs) going to have a good time. So I don't know how my speech is going to look in the evening. We'll see what happens. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll take over for you. And by the way, Ian (laughs) Ian Mendez is the MC. Stu Schwartz is our auctioneer. Uh, Chris Neal is going to be there. There's a chance we're going to see a couple of uh, current Ottawa senators there. Uh, Andy Scott, the big time uh, agent is going to be there. Andy will be there. Sean Simpson will be there. Right. Yep, there's yeah, there's lots of anyway, pretty excited. And of course, the big star of this will be Craig as he tees off with Woody and Ian and uh, Alex. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a good Ooh. group. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see if we finish the 18, but yes. We'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Again. I'm not driving to the golf course. I am getting in an Uber. Wow. This is big. I don't this do that very often. I'm you. pretty stingy. I'm pretty st- I get made fun of for not oh. letting loose too often. I think I'm gonna get I'm gonna think I'm gonna let loose on Friday. Okay. Well, we may not have a show Monday. I may embarrass <laughs> all of you. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm like looking it. forward to this. Yes, okay. that's going to be fun. All right. Uh, anyway, okay. that's, our, that's, that's our show. Uh, we'll be at the golf course on Friday. We'll tell you all about it on Monday. Frank Cerebelli is going to stop by. It nice. should be, uh, we'll post about it. It should be a noon live show. So uh, we look all forward right. to that. It's, uh, we always say thanks for watching our show. It's time for us to drive on out of here. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show powered by Barhaven Ford. See you next time.
I like I like the jersey and the bobbleheads. You got my bobblehead back there or no? I do. Uh, no, I don't. The only, <laughs> the only the only goalie I have is Tugnut because uh, my dad, oddly enough, gave me a couple random ones. I've got Redden, Boschman, uh, Tugnut, Stone, Neal on this side. So, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, can I'll you send me one? one? I have one. Yeah, I got I got a whole box full of them in my closet still. I haven't gotten rid of them yet. Oh, autograph it for me too, please. I'll bring it in January. January. It'll what, be 20, on eBay. 20 seconds. There we go. It'll be on eBay. Yeah, oh, that's nice.